Good morning and welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. It's a me, your favorite female host, Maggie Moore, and I am joined by my second favorite co-host, Ellie Jacobs. Uh, unfortunately, y'all are stuck with just the two of us today because our fellow shipmate, Franklin Spring, unclear if that's his full name or not, but I've decided that it is. Uh, Franklin Spring welcomed the newest member of our crew, who is small, but will grow in time, uh, and is taking a bit of shore leave. Uh, surely we will have some more updates about this little nugget and bundle of joy um, that has been welcomed onto this earth later. So please be sure to check back with us. Yeah, it's very exciting for Frank and his wife. And yeah. uh, we're super excited to have another nugget to raise on Salty Jason's Revenge. Yeah, it was getting boring around here. Yeah. As we do each week, we ask you to kindly subscribe and rate us and leave a review if you wouldn't mind, because we like seeing what people think about us. Um, you're already doing it via email and text message, so may as well, may as well make it public, you cowards. Uh, we don't care if they're positive or negative. We really don't. We rate us, you cowards. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Taking Ship, and that's ship with a P as in perfidy. You can follow Frank at Frank Spring, although he is being pretty quiet on Twitter these days, understandably. You can follow Maggie at MaggieM012, and Maggie has cracked the, the millennium mark, so she's very excited about that. It's honestly the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> and since I'm not on Twitter anymore, you just have to follow Taking Ship twice. Just don't hit the unfollow button and refollow. Just like right. find another follower. Just like find a friend. Yeah. Have them follow the page. And that'll or, be, we'll you know, consider start, that a, start, a, start a bot account. We're not, yeah. we have no problem with that. Exactly. That's, that's the way all these places make money now. <laughs> yeah. Everything's pretend. All right. So Maggie, what do we want, what do we want to talk about today? Um, well, I feel like... We've, we're coming into my favorite time of year, which is summer. I feel like I thrive best when the sun is out. Um, so, but with summertime, which I didn't realize it was happening so soon, comes the first round of debates. Oh. Um, and I feel like, I think mostly because school is out for folks um, and the weather is hot, but <laughs> we need to find ways to entertain ourselves. Um, so talking about summer entertainment and thinking about the first debate, which when is it again? It's June. It is June 26th and June 27th. Apparently there's some sort. So just to uh, give everybody the rules of how this is working this year um, mm -hmm. to qualify for the debates. And since there's like at least 23 people who are running, who have officially filed paperwork and are running for president and only 20 people can be part of the debates uh, months and months and months ago, the DNC introduced their rules, which at the time they came out, I thought they were really dumb. And I continue to think they're really dumb. But you have to register 1% or more uh, on, in three different polls, which may either be national polls or polls in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and or Nevada. Um, but the DNC sanctioned polls, is that right? Like, I can't, I can't just be like, look, uh, I've gotten... be, I think it's media polls. It has okay. to be objective pollsters. So it can't be like, you know. Because the DNC approves those, is what I'm saying. Right, right, Got exactly. Okay. Uh, and they have to be released between January 1st, 2019 and 14 days prior to the date of the organization debate, which is, again, the 26th. Oh, there's more rules about the polling restrictions, but we don't have to go into all that. We'll post it in the link to the notes if you're really, really desperate. So that's one way you can qualify. The other way you can qualify is by demonstrating the campaign has received donations from at least 65,000 unique donors and that it's not just 65,000 donors. A minimum of 200 have to come from 20 different states, meaning 20 different states have to have registered 200 as 200 don't. people. Right. Okay. And the way that then they go to whittle down to make sure that there's only 20 people involved and anybody who remembers what the cattle calls were like uh, in 2016 on the Republican side, where there was like the oh kids table debate 
and like, yeah, I forgot about that. And it was all just utter bullshit and stupidity. And Donald Trump like crushed everybody because they're all, everybody running against him was just a coward. Um, the DNC is trying to limit that. So you have to qual you can do one of those things, either the 1% mm -hmm. or the 65,000. Uh, but if more than 20 people have both of those, um, have one or the other, the people who have both will get priority into those 20. So that's what it is. And so far, according to, um, it looks like CNN and Politico, um, are, uh, say that people have qualified, um, based on those Sanders are Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Andrew Yang, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Amy Klomashar, John Delaney. Kirsten Gillibrand has qualified on one of those um, parts, supposedly, uh, but maybe oh. not. Yeah, um, but that's unclear from a recent article. Um, John Hinkenlooper, Jay Inslee, Tim Ryan, Eric Swalwell, and Marianne Williamson. Um, Marianne Williamson is um, like a wannabe Oprah, but white. <laughs> that's my understanding of who she is. Sure. No, that, that sounds yeah. about right. Andrew Yang is a tech entrepreneur who wants to ban circumcision. And has an opinion about literally everything, if you go yeah. to his website. Yeah. And Tulsi Gabbard is an apologist for the Syrian regime. Uh, oh, enough said. What are, the, what are the other winners in here? John Hinkenlooper, uh, when, he, when he was, yeah, he's the former governor of, of uh, Colorado. He's the one we called the loop in uh, our, our tournament mm -hmm. style thing. He, uh, when he was on Morning Joe, right after he announced he couldn't defend capitalism, and yesterday at the California Democratic Convention, um, he went after socialism. So he, it's unclear exactly what he believes, if anything. Um, Tim Ryan and and um, Seth Moulton, uh, who hasn't qualified yet, uh, are the two mm -hmm. uh, congressmen who were with that Nancy Pelosi disposed of with like barely a flick of her wrist. Um, John Delaney is a congressman who's been running for president for like three years already, and no one's ever heard of him. So he's doing a bang up job. I mean, uh, Bill really de Blasio is the candidate that nobody asked for. Yeah. I mean, if there isn't a bigger like <laughs> sign that there are people running for president just as a grift operation, like it, Bill de Blasio apparently owes his defense attorneys $300,000 from defending mm -hmm. him from the last time he ran for public office because of like the creepy things that he did. So he's really just running this time around to raise $300,000 to pay those attorneys. Which like that checks out. That's a good uh, grift. I know. Like it's a smart use of your time. Um, he doesn't want like, to be I mayor. Kind of, so. I kind of welcome. Say again. He doesn't want to be mayor. So uh, like, he may as well do something. Yeah, exactly. Like he's not doing anything else. So like might as well do this. Uh, which honestly is, I think, the approach of so, so many people in this race of like, eh, I'm bored. Like, why don't I just run for president? It's yeah. like, please get a hobby. Please yeah. just get a hobby. Unless you're, am, just, unless you're born to do it like Beto, who I still can't believe he said that. And then the New Yorker. I do welcome the sort of, I do welcome having as many people on the stage as possible because it will kick, it'll get them out of the race faster. I feel like um, the first debate is going to be super interesting to watch like who actually who who won't like you know dribble all over their shirt like who's gonna who's actually gonna like really mess it up uh, and knock themselves out of the race that would be nice yeah i'm i think i'm gonna be paying most attention to um who goes on the attack first oh interesting who's gonna come out swinging after a particular person yeah and my guess is uh Bernie will be, both be the one who gets attacked first and goes on the attack first. 
Like one of those, like it's going to work either one, either one of those ways, either he's going to go after mm. Biden or Warren or one of the lesser candidates are going to go after Bernie. Um, yes. I, I think that's interesting. That he'd be an interesting target. Um, I think that Tulsi Gabbard's just going to start swinging at whoever is like next to her. Like she, yeah. I don't really think it's going to matter, but I think she's going to try to get some sort of a headline that isn't about <laughs> Syria. Right. Um, so I would imagine that uh, some of the, the smaller folks are really going to come out um, fist, fist flying. Um, just yeah, they to, have like, to. They have to, because otherwise no one's really going to know who they are. Right. I mean, and, you know, with that many people on stage and the time limits that are involved, you know, assume 90 minutes. So each person maybe gets like five to eight minutes of actual time to, to, to speak. You can like, we could probably write out the script right now of what every single one of them is going to say in that time, which it's is probably, sad. Like then what's yeah. the point? Well that, or I'm, I'm envisioning a, an SNL sketch where it's just a bonkers overcrowded stage, like every single cast yeah. member there. And you know, they, they very calmly lay out the debate rules and then they ask a question and everyone just starts screaming at once. Um, that it just sort of sounds like British parliament. It's like you can't hear anybody or anything. Yeah. That sounds, um, that sounds, um, that's probably what the debate stage is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it's <laughs> going to be like. You know, I think what's, I think you're going to end up having people like Kamala Harris, Biden and, and, and mayor Pete holding back and like kind of just standing there and trying not to like drool or spill on themselves and really not say anything and let everybody else like kick themselves in the shins. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to see if folks, how folks can deputize like silence <laughs> or yeah. just basically look like the grown up in the room. That's, that's not like, that's not actually like getting mucked down in anything, but they look cool, calm, collected. Um, and just sort of not like above it all, but sort of like, Whoa, this is crazy. Like, did you see what they did? Kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think we can probably be pretty, we can, I, I put good money on the three of them being like the adults. Like yeah. Biden, just because like, I think he's already feel, I think he and his campaign are like portraying him as above all of this anyway. So he's just like going to stand there and smile and, you know, do like good. an affable thing. Yeah. He's going to be uncle Joe. Um, I think Pete is in a position where he's in a, like a precarious successful position. And if he does anything like kind of outside the mean, he's going to be in real trouble. So I think he's just going to kind of try to watch himself and be like, the new guy just saying we need a new generation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I, I think, think, I think okay. Harris just in general presents as like a very thoughtful, careful politician mm-hmm. more so than, um, well, certainly like, like more so than Bernie. Yeah. And, and like, once you get past like the top five or six of them, it's yeah. just, it's bedlam and they're all just going to be screaming and yelling. Yeah, trying to distinguish themselves. I have two thoughts. Yes. One is, and they're both the same. They're both the same. Who to judge is that I feel like the, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I feel like the bar is really high for both of them. I think Pete is experiencing this sort of like, um, the, the, the bend in the arc of internet love always kind of comes back around to hate. And I think mm-hmm. he's just sort of starting to experience that. So I feel like the only way for him to go is down. So like, if he does something, it's sort of like, Oh, like, I feel like there could be some potential backlash. I feel like he has a lot to lose. I also feel like the bar is pretty high for Harris. Everyone talks about her prosecutorial ability. Uh, every time she's been on a committee asking questions, yeah. like people really highlight that. So I think people are really going to be expecting a dynamite performance from her. And when there's that many people, um, 
she has to be able to command the space. So I feel like she, I feel like she's going to inevitably get chastised a little bit, but just by saying, because like, I think the expectations are a little bit too high. I don't really think there's anything she could do to be successful. I think she would be better suited for like a one-on-one debate, um, but we're just not there yet. And I think it's going to be like, we didn't see Harris's, you know, brilliant prosecutorial abilities. Like, and that sucks. And like, but I think that's, so she's going to try to have to figure out like, one, how can she do it? But also like to sort of subvert that expectation, I guess. Right. I, I mean, I also don't think we should like refer to these as debates because they're not actually <laughs> debating. Like we need like a colloquium or like, is it like the recitation section for like the main class? Because like, it's also like, I don't think that whatever happens is the debates is going to change the way the numbers look right now, because the only people that are watching the debates yeah. are the same people who are paying attention right now. Are junkies. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is, the first date, like the first couple debates are just first dates. Yeah. Like it's going to be, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's kind of like how, uh, anything over two hours can't be called a meeting. I don't know what the word for that thing is, but like if it's over two hours, how dare you call it a meeting? It's very disrespectful. Um, but yeah, the first couple of these, which by the way, aren't there, how many debates are there? 65? There are 12 debates in total. Six will be in 2019 and six in 2020. First of all, that seems very excessive. Yeah. Am I crazy? That no. seems crazy. Like the verdicts aren't going to mean anything. And they're all on like different topics, I'm assuming. Um, but, you know, people are still trying to, one, distinguish themselves, to, distinguish themselves, two, winnow out the field, but also introduce themselves to people. So this is 100% a first date. Yeah. I'm- I'm just counting up quickly how many there were in 2008, I mean, and it yes. looks uh, 26. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my, that's way too many. But also, that was. But like the vast, years ago. the vast, ma- right? I don't remember anything from that long ago. Right. I was graduating and, from high school. <laughs> and the vast, ma- like the last one, two, three, the last like six mm-hmm. or seven had two or three people. Oh, so those, and those are on like different networks and like, I think people just get a little bit tired and sort of lose track of like how many are actually happening. Yeah. I feel like we need three at most. Yeah. Like, I mean, once you get down, like once it gets whittled down, like I'm okay if there's like two of these and you knock out like 50% of the people. Right. But the threshold does change as the debates go on. Yeah. So, so the, which is which DNC, is good. Yeah, the DNC changed it because too many people were qualifying, which is one of the reasons that I thought the rules initially were stupid. A because it was a weird yeah. metric to to use. B because it seemed like really really low levels of qualification. Right. Um, but they changed it, so now uh, what what is it? I think they doubled the. The yeah, I think they, they really upped the number of um, donors, individual donors that you need. I think it's in like the 100K mark now. Yeah. Um, like 125, 115, something like that is, is sticking out to me, um, which, I, which is not necessarily like brutal, but um, I feel like that will keep someone like an Andrew Yang in the race when they want to get rid of him. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, I guess I, I also find it interesting and I wonder how they got to these metrics, like, um, as, a as an indication of like general support, sure. But like, um, where, 
like how it was decided that like this threshold made the most sense in terms of like, right. and that it was individual donors, which to me, seems like a new sort of metric of campaign success. Like quite recently, has that been considered like something that you want to strive for? Right. I think that was like, I think some of this was like in reaction to the blowback the DNC got over the um, mm-hmm. rigged Hillary. Burn yeah. Rates. So I think that that's some of it, but like the metric at this point, like it, it's really just name recognition. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't give a lot, it doesn't give new people. I mean, you'd say it doesn't give new people the opportunity, but like mayor Pete is doing great. Yeah. Marianne Williamson qualified. Like it's clearly right. So, um, the democratic party's new directive that candidates must have at least 130,000 donors to qualify oh. for the third primary debate. Oh, so they're going to, they're going to knock this down pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I like, I think, I think it is a good decision that they made to put this kind of a threshold in place where like, it's, it's kind of out of the DNC's hands uh, about like picking who, like how many debates there are or who gets to actually go. Um, because it was not a good look for them last time. So the threshold, the threshold is nice, but if it were up to me, I think I would do it a little bit more hunger game style. Um, personally, just to keep it exciting. Um, Yeah. I'd really like to see some, you know, bloodshed. Yes, I think I would enjoy some hand-to-hand combat. Um, <laughs> I think would, would be beneficial. So I demand that. I demand yeah. a sacrifice from my candidates. <laughs> I'm just looking at the, the latest Quinnipiac poll. So mm-hmm. um, once you, I mean, there are a lot of people who are not even at 1%. Is the, is the threshold is for that rule. Do you just have to hit it once and like, that's it. Like you don't have to like consistently be at 1% or. I don't, I don't know. I think that's one of those, that's one of like getting into the rules of the, the, um, the debates that seem like more reading than I wanted to do while we were broadcasting. No, that's fair. <laughs> um, I also feel like, um, if I was a candidate, I'd be like, here's my internal poll that says I'm polling very well. When actually all I did was just like, pull my living room. <laughs> yeah. I don't of think people that are like, I know personally. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I get it <laughs> why they have to have like sanctions. Oh, it's media like. partners. Oh no, sorry. Details on the threshold, details on the threshold for participation. Okay, here we go. Register 1% or more support in three polls, which may be national polls or polls in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and or Nevada publicly released between January 1st and 14 days, blah, blah, blah. Qualifying polls would be limited to those sponsored by one or more of these of the following organizations and institutions. And it's kind of like the regular group, you know, all the media yeah. polls, Monmouth, Quinnipiac. The usual Univers- suspects, yeah, none of which are my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any, any candidates, three qualifying polls must be conducted by different organizations or if by the same organization must be in different, gra- different geographical regions. All right. So that's like actually not the worst. No, I think, well, I like, again, I think, I think they're really trying to make it, to make this primary as, um, open and as accessible as possible while also sort yeah. of like maintaining and like rebuilding their brand integrity, which like good for you. Yeah. Um, cause like pe- people are going to be unhappy with how primaries go and that's just a fact, but I think the DNC needs to like do whatever they can to not shoulder the blame for that. Um, yeah. so I think they're doing a good job. So way yeah. to go guys. All right. Well, speaking of people doing a good job or not doing a good job, <laughs> let's talk about air conditioning and oh. how I, I continue to believe it is, a far better invention than the internet of modern man. Ooh, yes. I mean, I would say this, it's probably the invention that has um, really improved my life the most is something that I probably can't, can't live without next to food and, and, and water um, because I am an absolute 
wimp when it comes to to hot weather. I turn into a a literal nightmare. Um, if it same. was socially acceptable for adults to throw temper tantrums, I would do that. Oh, same. From June first till my birthday, which is in the middle of September, because yeah. I turn into an absolute monster. Um, so, which is why then I do spend a lot of quality time inside during the summer. As much as I can, I do like getting out, uh, but there, beca- there comes a time, especially in uh, humid places um, where, and in New York, especially, there, there comes a time in the summer where it is incredibly hot and incredibly humid and everything smells like garbage and I'm mad at everything and everyone. So I have to be locked indoors, which means I do spend a lot of time thinking about how to entertain myself while I am also cooling myself. Um, I think movie theaters do a really good job of this with putting out a lot of blockbuster e movies, uh, especially ones that are long. So you have maximum cool time if you don't have air conditioning in your home. Um, so I thought it would be, this would be a perfect opportunity for you and I to talk a little bit about what our favorite air conditioning activities are. I tend to lean a little bit more towards movies, television, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but obviously any air conditioned activities, uh, can really be whatever you want. Um, so Ellie, would you like to start with talking about your number one air conditioning activity? Or would you like me to go first? I mean, movies are definitely there. And particularly when you go to a movie theater where you can like, when you can stack movies, like, you Mm -hmm. know, you pay for one and just kind of hang out the whole afternoon. Yes. It's a little harder to do in New York than, you know, growing up in the suburbs, but you can still pull it off, especially like a day movie. There's not really anybody working. Totally. Um, I'm not saying that you should do that, but movies are damn hella expensive. So I think it's okay. And if you're buying a soda like that, you know, that more than, that more the, than the soda basically costs what your ticket costs. So you essentially just bought another ticket for yeah. the movie. So you're fine. Yeah, you're, you're, fine. you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, so movies are a big one, obviously. Um, is in New York, the museums are really, really helpful. Um, I also find that uh, many bars are mm. particularly of, of great. Oh, yes. I have absolutely walked out of a bar when I thought I had air conditioning and it didn't. So yeah. I left. And went to a different place. I get very upset when you walk into like a restaurant or bar that has like the big doors that open and they think it's like cool. The whole front is open. Yeah. Yeah. And then you walk in like, no, 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 no. Close those and put the AC on. It's 155,000 degrees. Exactly. When it's the same temperature, when you sort of like cross the threshold, Mm -hmm. the temperature has to change. If it stays the same, you got to go. Yeah. It was either last summer or two summers ago. I was downtown like in, in, um, right by Cooper Union. Mm-hmm. and a meeting I was supposed to go to canceled. And I was like, just desperate for some air conditioning. And I was actually texting with Frank Spring because he used to live down in that area. So I was like, I need a place mm-hmm. to go. Do you have anywhere to suggest? And he was like, go to check out this place. I was like, oh, it's not open yet. So I ended up going to, you know, everybody's standard down there, McSorley's, you know, one of the oldest bars in New York, every president up until right. Trump is drunk there. Like, you know, it's a mm-hmm. cool place, a lot of history. Great book called, uh, speaking of things to do indoors, Great book called uh, Two and Two by one of the longtime bartender's sons that I highly, highly recommend. Um, anyway, I walked in never expecting this bar that's been around since like 1864 or something like that to have air conditioning. And lo and behold, they had air conditioning. And that actually upset me. Because oh, it I, was, did. I was like, this place shouldn't have air conditioning. Yeah, that's not the authentic feel that you're actually looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and then, fair. you know, we, we, we have a very loud air conditioner at home that thankfully does a good, good job, but it's not particularly great to like, just hang out and like binge watching. 
Yeah. We, so at my house, uh, there's an air conditioner in the bedroom, but if you um, leave the bedroom door open and have the fan on high, it cools the apartment down enough that it's, um, that you're comfortable. It's not like, you know, you're basking in like the glorious wonder that is this frigid air, you know, over your entire body. Um, but it does allow for some binge watching. Um, and I've been keeping track of some things that I want to start watching. And I honestly think that, um, the best summer watching is stuff that you have not yet gotten around to, but you always wanted to. Sure. Um, So I started watching the Americans. Oh, Um, you had not watched it. I hadn't watched it yet. And I feel like there's not a ton of like really new, really great stuff in the summer that comes around in the fall. Um, I feel like this is a really good opportunity. Take that moment, take that back and like the Americans, which is on Amazon prime. Um, that show is great. Lovely time with it. Um, there are six seasons, uh, and there are 13 episodes season, uh, which is great, means that you can almost the entire thing, uh, which is lovely. Uh, also recommend Fleabag. Um, the second season just finished. Uh, it's a British show. So there's only six episodes, um, in a season, but they're half hour long. You could probably watch the entire series uh, in, in a day if it was really hot outside. So definitely, definitely would recommend if you haven't watched those yet to actually get started. Uh, yeah, those are good recommendations. The Americans is really terrific. And, um, uh, Friends of mine who uh, served in the CIA uh, all, all think it's like the best representative of of um, of like actual espionage and counter espionage. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! I actually just watched um, an episode where they they were. Um, well, I won't spoil it if people want to watch it, but they're they're starting to touch on the Iran Contra mm-hmm. um, scandal and. Um, Oliver North, I think is his name, yep. uh, has a story credit on that episode because he consulted with the producers and he provided so much context that they gave him a story credit. Well, I mean, um, it was his idea. So. I know. So it's like, it's not a story. Like this was, this came from you, brother. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, what about you? What are you watching? Um, what do you recommend watching? Well, I, uh, just because it came out last night, uh, on Friday night, um, Deadwood uh, came back 10 years later and they did a new movie with uh, all the surviving cast, which is basically like everybody, I think, except two actors, which is kind of amazing. And all the David Milch and the original writing team. Mm -hmm. So it was um, somebody referred to it as it was very satisfying. If you were a big fan of Deadwood, I don't know if it was so great, but it was very, very satisfying. It was incredible to like turn something on and like, they made no bones. Like it was 10 years later, this whole thing was set 10 years later. So everybody looked 10 years older. And there was obviously like story that you missed, but it kind of picked up where everything was. And the language was right back to the way it was. And like your brain picks up on it. It was just, it was very enjoyable. So I highly recommend that even as a standalone, but I strongly recommend people uh, binge watch Deadwood in its entirety. Um, You might have to force yourself through the first like two or three episodes Mm -hmm. um, because the language is very strange. Uh, but it's terrific. I highly recommend that. Um, Luther, uh, which is a BBC show with Idris uh, Elba. Luther is so good. Yeah. So there's a new season coming back. Oh no, I didn't and, know that. And as we've discussed, British TV does seasons, right? It's like four mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's coming back. Highly recommend that. Um, Bosch just came out with a new season. Um, again, these are a lot of detective shows. So if you like that kind of thing, <laughs> I'm, gonna say, I'm sensing good. a theme. Yeah. Which is interesting because I don't usually think of myself as like a detective guy show, but um, these all kind of caught my caught my attention. So uh, Bosch is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Your recommendation of Big Mouth, I recommend to everyone else. That was just such a funny show. Such good. I also such feel like the, there's another season of that coming out pretty soon. So oh, um, if exciting. folks are feeling as desperate as I am, 
furthermore, um, that I don't think we have to wait for too much longer. Yeah. And, you know, I always recommend people read books. What? <laughs> what? No, never. Crazy. I know. That's crazy talk. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I think that the American, uh, you know, whereas like Europe shuts down for August because everybody yeah. just goes on vacation. We need that here. People need to like. Agreed. And it's like, you know, all the research shows, you know, work productivity goes up, health productivity goes up, family life goes up, all these things. So like mm-hmm. everybody who's listening to this, and I know there are a lot of like independent contractors who find it like, like myself, who find it difficult to take time off, like unplug mm-hmm. for a couple of days, just do it. Like get some vacation, That's very good advice. Get, out of, get out of town. Even if it's like you go check into like an Airbnb in the suburbs, like just go on some vacation, yeah. get some time off. So that's, yeah. that's my final big recommendation. That's a very good way to keep your brain cool uh, yeah. during the, during the summer. I would also, so I would definitely heartily um, second that at the like actually. And the Southern Hemisphere is in winter now. So twist. Yeah. So if you do really want to stay cold, like go there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think I would definitely second that and, and add on to it that while I am very much a city person uh, and really enjoy living in New York, um, highly, highly, highly recommend swimming in a natural body of water, whether that's a river, a lake, an ocean, something to, to sort of like spend some time when it's warm outside uh, in nature. It makes it a little more bearable when it's really, really hot. Yeah. And um, one of my favorite things about not being in Manhattan is that the temperature goes down in other places at night. Like Manhattan, it doesn't because mm-hmm. everything's just baking all day long. Other places, trapped. Every, other places, like if you're out in, we were in Montana a couple summers ago and it was fantastic and everybody should go um, to live really. Cause then we can also kick the white supremacists out. But, uh, like during the day it was like, it was beautiful, like 75, 80 degrees. And at night it was like in the forties. It was terrific. Oh, that does sound, that sounds magical. That's healthy. That's how you're supposed to live as a human being. This like insanity of urban living in New York is not healthy. And you know, I'm not one of those fancy New Yorkers who, you know, goes, goes to the Hamptons or whatever. Um, because I don't have that kind of money. Um, but I'm, I'm usually glad when those types of New Yorkers leave the city. I don't have to deal with them. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the Hamptons and swimming in fresh bodies of water, uh, we will not continue the war on the sea, um, (laughs) as we are taking a respite in celebration of the new baby spring. Uh, we don't want to expose him quite yet to his father's warfare. Uh, but it will come in time. It'll come in time. But with that, um, please do rate us and subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, follow Maggie at MaggieM012. Follow Frank at Frank Spring. Follow me at Taking Ship, uh, which is all of us, really. Uh, and that's ship with a P as in please follow us and leave a review and rate us and subscribe and get some friends to do that, too. So with that, Maggie, last word? Um, get outside, everybody. Get off, get off your computer and go outside. Yeah. Podcasts go with you. Exactly. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you.